It's Tuesday, June 12th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Dallas, Texas. Well, Dr. Rick and I are here in Dallas for the Southern Baptist Convention, as well as an opportunity to be able to meet with churches and uh, delegates around Texas because we are hosting several children here in Texas from Columbia with our Columbia camp. And we had the opportunity today to also sit down with Daryl Jordan, who is the communications director for Oklahoma Senator James Lankford. And Daryl and I were able to be on a panel at the ERLC of Evangelicals for Life. And I wanted all of us to be able to hear Daryl's excellent perspective on how government can be engaged with pro-life issues, but ultimately how the, the pro-life issue needs to first start in our churches. And so just pray for Lifeline as we are here at the Southern Baptist Convention. Pray for these children who are here in Texas through the Columbia camp and enjoy hearing this conversation with Daryl Jordan. Well, Daryl, thanks for joining us. And I know that you, through just your convictions, as well as the senator that you work for, are extremely pro-life and not just pro-birth. And I know that we had the opportunity to, to talk about that. And we've we've talked about and what that means, not to just be pro-birth, but to be pro-life. And just talk a little bit about your personal heart for being pro-life. Well, first of all, it's great to be on the podcast with you, man. Uh, really um, I'm just glad to be with you to talk about these important topics. And um, yeah, man, it's important for us to, to not just be pro-life and, uh, pre, you know, we, you know, pro-life in the womb, but we got to be pro-life out of the womb too. We can't just be pro-birth uh, because we believe that everybody is created in the image of God and therefore has value and worth. And so, you know, we need to act like that and basically value human dignity. And so, um, you know, Senator Blankford, who I work for is, he talks about that often. And if you have human, if you value the human dignity of that person, that's going to really change how you treat them and how you care for them. And, you know, the scripture is very clear um, about this, especially people who are vulnerable or oppressed. Um, one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 117, says to learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, and take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And so that's a part of doing justice and, um, and actually caring for people. And that includes um, the unborn as well as those who, that are outside of the womb. Yeah, and I'm, I know that certainly you have the opportunity, both through your position on Capitol Hill, uh, but also as your position as just a known commodity in D.C. as someone who's good at their field and uh, has has done just a fantastic job uh, from a communications perspective, preaching and teaching and speaking up for life. Uh, but talk a little bit, and I know your role daily is to, to lobby on Capitol Hill and to utilize the position that the senator has uh, to push policy and, and policies that are aimed at being pro-life. But ultimately, why is this a heart issue and not a government issue? And what is the church's responsibility in, in being pro-life and pro-birth? Uh, great, great um, questions. Um, I think I'll start with the second question first. The church's responsibility um, is to really to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a part of that is salvation for every person, 
um, but also hope, righteousness, and holiness for every person as well. And the church needs to be part of that journey for everybody, no matter who they are. And uh, in addition to salvation and the gospel, discipleship is also a part of that too. And um, I think that God always talked, Jesus always talked about love being something that's very, very important for how Christians should interact with people. Um, the scripture says, you know, uh, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Over and over in scripture, he talked about loving people. And so, um, you know, when I look at loving people, that is uh, valuing the human dignity of every person, but also looking at their tangible physical needs and trying to help to meet that need. Um, and so the church can do that without the government's role. They can do that without uh, any type of policy or law or whatever. And I, I think it's actually a more effective way to changing our local communities and our states and even our entire United States. Um, you know, everybody looks at Washington, D.C., or they look at their capitals and their state capitals, and they look at those leaders to really change the nation or change the state. But the fact of the matter is, Washington, D.C. is a reflection of America, not the other way around. America is not a reflection of Washington, D.C. So we really want to change our government. We need to change the people that are in our communities. And we need to start with that, their heart. The heart issue is what is really important when you're talking about making an impact in our country and how we treat the oppressed and people that are in need, uh, both physically and spiritually. You know, and Daryl, I know we talk a lot about pro-life and, and like we said, life in the womb and defending this life in the womb. But one of the things that, that I've heard you articulate so well and, and you've even said it a little bit here, is that we want to defend life outside of the womb as well. What are some of those big issues, both on a national level, but on our streets and in our communities that you see are major needs for the church, for the people of God, and for government to speak out on, on behalf of the oppressed? Um, yeah, I, I think um, foster care is definitely a big need. Um, for our communities. There are a lot of people right in our own communities that we might not even know that are struggling and their families are broken. And uh, we know the opioid epidemic and drugs are just ravaging a lot of our communities and our foster care numbers nationally are going up. And so it, it presents an opportunity for the church to really step out and serve vulnerable children, but also to serve the biological families in hopes of reunifying them. Um, another area is homelessness. A lot of our communities are experiencing uh, grave issues with homelessness, and we know that mental illness um, is a great factor that's leading to that. But we also have a lot of single mothers who are struggling financially um, to really make ends meet. And I almost look at a lot of our single mothers today almost like the widows that Jesus talked about over and over and over again. Um, you know, James one twenty seven talks about pure and undefiled religion is to care for orphans and widows and their distress. And it's really important to realize, you know, when I look at it, there's one person that's missing from that picture with orphans and widows, and that is a father and a husband. And so fatherhood and, and strong families is also um, a big, big deal in our nation today. We have a, a family crisis right now where a lot of men 
um, are not stepping up and taking hold of their responsibility. There's a variety of factors that lead into uh, why a lot of men don't take care of their families. But that's some, that's, a, that's definitely a place where our church can step in. We need older men um, taking younger men uh, under their wings and mentoring them and encouraging them and challenging them. Uh, we also need the body of Christ to wrap around men who are struggling to find work. They're struggling with drug addiction. They may be struggling with a um, past incarceration issue. Um, maybe they're a returning citizen and they're trying to get work. Uh, so there's a lot of factors there. And I, I truly believe if you, um, if you look at different communities, and I see this from Washington, D.C., all the time, whenever we look at statistics about poverty, homelessness, um, education dropout, and foster care, you will see the highest numbers for all of those in places where there are broken families. In, in areas where the uh, income is higher, where there's more wealth, uh, where there's more educational opportunities, you're going to see more intact families. And mm. so um, there's no coincidence for that. And I think that's definitely one ever one area where we can really step in to serve. You know, I think all of these issues that you touch on, you know, a lot of times when we only concentrate on the abortion issue, we we miss that if we are going to truly advocate for life being precious, it has to be the homeless. It has to be those single moms. It has to be these kids that are in foster care. And so as a church, we've got we've to step up. And, and even as we pivot a little bit towards government intervention and think about government intervention, uh, I think that's where both of our political parties need to kind of come together, right? The, uh, the Republican Party has, a, has been a, a party for life and uh, for life ethics in the womb. And really, unfortunately, uh, for conservatives, they get it wrong a lot of times on the justice issues outside of the womb. And that's one of the things that the, the Democratic Party really seems to excel in are these justice issues outside of the womb. We need to come together on these justice issues as a government. And, and we talk a lot about the church, and we certainly know that the church is the answer. But we also know that in Romans 13, Paul says that the, the governing authorities are given their authority from God and that we are to respect our governing authorities. Uh, I, I love Romans 13. Three. I, I use this with my kids talking about parents even are not a terror to good contact, conduct, but to bad conduct. Um, so we need to have a fear for authority and we need to be involved in authority. And so, you know, obviously as the communications director for Senator Lankford, uh, your life has been wrapped around government and, and getting people engaged in government. Why is it so important for people to engage state, local, and federal governments on these life issues? Uh, and, and why is government reform something we really do need to look at and be conscious of? Well, um, first of all, uh, you got to look at the scripture and, you know, there are three institutions that God has ordained and blessed. It's the church, it's the family, and it's government. And so God wants us to be a part of all of those areas. I know that there are, you know, some believers who think that the government is evil and we don't need to engage that. But uh, in order to be a good citizen where we live, um, we should engage um, government. You know, Jesus talked about giving to Caesar unto Caesar. And so um, he encouraged, um, you know, people to look at Caesar and to also engage the government. Uh, we're also to pray for our government leaders as well. We're, we're instructed to do that time and time again throughout scripture. And so 
it's important for us to, to engage government biblically because we have been called to do that and to be salt and light in every single industry in our community, and that includes government. But um, us as Christians, as, as uh, people who believe in uh, Jesus Christ and his lordship, it is important for us to influence government because they make the laws of the land. And, um, you know, I don't think that if laws are made, you know, in a way that we might disagree, then, you know, we just throw our hands up and, and we're done. No, we should continue to uh, engage governments, um, especially because government can be a tool for um, uh, for justice and for uh, helping those that are in need. Now, I, you know, come from a political worldview where I don't think the government needs to do everything. I think uh, the majority of things need to be done by our families and our communities. Um, but it is uh, totally uh, right within our biblical worldview to advocate for particular values and laws, um, and that has to be done by engaging government. And I can tell you, um, oftentimes Christians will engage government by voting, and then they oftentimes will leave it to that. Mm. And my message is, no, don't stop engaging government. Continue to talk to your city councilman. Continue to talk to your um, U.S. representatives. Continue to talk to your state legislators. Um, I talk to a lot of Christians and I'll ask them, do you know who your state senator is? And a lot of them will not know. And I know a lot of people under the sound of my voice right now probably are thinking to themselves, <laughs> I probably don't. <laughs> and I don't mean to condemn you, but I'd like to challenge you even right now to look and see who your local legislators are as well as your national le legislators and continue to engage them because they need to hear um, positive reinforcement when they are doing the right thing, but they also need to be challenged about their particular policy worldview on an issue. And even if um, your particular representative um, doesn't have the same political ideology with you, say you're a Democrat and your representative are a Republican or vice versa, you still need to engage them. You still need to engage them throughout the year. Um, to encourage them to do the right thing. And from a staffer's perspective, as somebody who actually works for an elected official, I'm telling you, we get letters and we get phone calls and we get social media messages all the time and we see them as well as the senator. He sees them. We have a daily call log. We have a uh, letter, constituent letter support uh, report um, an engagement report, and we know when people are contacting about a particular issue. So I would just encourage anybody listening to this to please engage, find out who your local representatives, and be sure to talk to them and talk to them often. And, and, and to that, you know, you're saying that Senator Lankford sees that and the staff sees that, but, but talk a little bit about the, the person who is in middle America or, you know, down here like I am in Alabama who thinks, well, is that really going to make a difference? And maybe he sees it, but, but does he really take notice of these issues? And I've heard you say many times that not only Senator Lankford, but other congressmen and representatives, that they really do put a lot of stock in what the constituents say. Absolutely. They put a lot of stock in what their constituents say, and especially on these issues that you and I are talking about here, life issues, justice issues. There's a lot of members of Congress who come to Washington, D.C., and I know it's the same for many state legislators, where they come to D.C. and they have a particular 
expertise or skill set. Many of them may come from, say, a legal background or a teaching background or a medical background um, or a business background, and they know their issues. So they come to Washington, D.C. wanting to, say, work on tax issues or work on health care issues or work on environment issues. Um, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, there's not a lot of legislators who come here with a strong understanding of different ways to advance the issue of life. Mm. And so uh, on these issues, especially uh, pro-life issues after birth, whether it be caring for single mothers, whether it be criminal justice reform, whether it be immigrations, um, a lot of members need to hear from their legis- from their constituents uh, in order to figure out how to best represent those constituents. And so, you know, if, uh, if a particular member of Congress is only going to get, you know, 10 letters uh, and say five phone calls in favor of a particular bill, and he's a toss up anyway, he's not really sure how he's going to vote, he's going to look to what his constituents are telling him to do. Hmm. And so um, that's important for all constituents to know um, that a lot of members of Congress have that particular mindset when they're going into a vote that they don't know the issue that well. And, you know, DJ, as we even start to close, just what are some of those issues that are either in the Senate or on the Hill right now that believers can be praying for that, that do go along the lines of life and justice issues? Oh man, um, there's there's so many issues uh, that are that are going through Congress right now. Um, I'll try to name um, three of them. First of all, I think a lot of people have been watching the debate about immigration. Man, Herbie, our immigration system is a mess. It is a complete mess, and you know our border is not secure, and so um, we have an influx of individuals who are escaping danger and violence and they're coming here for safety. And um, I'm not justifying their actions, but it is overloading our, our country, our immigration system, as well as our foster care system, because many of the children are unaccompanied. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, people out there can be praying um, just that legislators will do some type of immigration reform. And I'll tell you, bro, immigration reform is one of the hardest things mm-hmm. for uh, Congress to do. And you look at the track record over the last 10 years, immigration reform has been something that has been started multiple times, but it has never been completed. Mm-hmm. Whether it be back in 2013 with the Gang of Eight bill that passed the Senate and didn't go anywhere in the House, whether it be you know a number of other times, including this year, earlier this year, uh, there was a debate on on DACA um, and Dreamers, and that wasn't completed as well. And so uh, it could be really frustrating for people like you know me who sees the obvious problems uh, in our immigration system and seeing families being torn apart and children who are vulnerable to trafficking and a whole sorts of other issues um, just being out there with no covering and no stability. That, that's really heartbreaking. So people can be praying about that and people can be contacting their legislators, call your, your legislators and, and be specific about what you want them to do. Um, another issue is uh, a prison reform or, or uh, kind of a, a watered down version of criminal justice reform, but the House passed a bill called the First Step Act several weeks ago. I think it was the last week, actually, 
by a wide uh, bipartisan majority. It's going to be coming over to the Senate, and it's kind of um, up in the air about what parts of that bill will be passed and if any other possible sentencing reform could be done to that. Um, I look at prison reform and criminal justice reform as a family issue, actually, mm-hmm. because the majority of prisoners, um, uh, uh, many people don't realize this, but a majority of prisoners have children outside of prison. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's important that they serve their debt to society. But even while they're serving their debt to society, I think it's important for them to try to be some type of parent figure to their children. And then when they come out, they can be restored and able to actually provide for their child and for their family. Um, So that's an issue that I think Christians should definitely be uh, involved with. And then on the pro-life front, um, there continues to be conversation about funding uh, for um, organizations that perform abortions like Planned Parenthood. Um, there's also um, a, a very serious conversation about conscious protection for medical workers um, right now. Um, and then a fourth thing that just came to my mind, but I want people to be aware of, is uh, in various cities and states, there are be- become there there are laws that are being debated and some have been passed where they actually are taking away licensing or contracts of faith-based nonprofits who have a a biblical view of marriage and family. Mm -hmm. And so there is a very real strong onslaught of attack against those type of faith-based Christian nonprofits that people need to be praying about. And I would just encourage all the listeners, don't be surprised if those conversations are not happening in your city and your town and your state, it's already occurred in Illinois, uh, Massachusetts, it recently happened in Philadelphia. And so there are a number of other states that are trying to proactively protect against that from happening. Uh, just recently in Oklahoma and Kansas, uh, their state legislatures signed, uh, passed a bill and governors signed into law that actually uh, allowed and gave um, the the freedom for Christian nonprofits to operate according to their conscience and their religious beliefs. And that's a very good thing. So those are some things that your listeners can be praying for and and also advocating for uh, where they live. Well, DJ, we uh, we thank you for your service, for all that you do, for the way that you speak up for life, both uh, in the womb, but also outside the womb, and for justice issues and for the clarity that you've given, ways that we can be praying, ways that we can be supporting, ways that we can engage, and ways that we can advocate. And brother, just know that uh, your Lifeline family loves you, and we're praying for you and for Senator Lankford and for uh, all of our representatives. And we just thank you so much for what you do and how you serve uh, in all the different capacities there in our nation's capital. Thank you, brother, for the opportunity, and um, I look forward to seeing you soon face-to-face. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.